Hayden Thompson here and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. G'day, and welcome to episode 85, where today I have guest Jeff King, who is the Director of Thought Leadership at Repurpose Global. Now founded in 2016 and headquartered in New York, Repurpose Global is the world's leading plastic action platform dedicated to reducing waste, reviving lives and restoring nature's balance. Through their pioneering ecosystem of solutions that span across advisory, action and advocacy, Repurpose help people and companies calculate, reduce and offset their plastic footprint and certify them as either plastic neutral or plastic negative, among many other things. Now this all occurs while empowering grassroots innovators on the cutting edge of these particular issues that they're all looking to solve. Now to date, Repurpose has created systematic change for people across 26 countries and hundreds of purposeful brands worldwide. Now some current food pack clients who are proudly engaged with Repurpose include Leaders Mexican Foods, Cassava and Agro Coffee Roasters. On behalf of their global coalition, Repurpose eliminate millions of pounds of plastic worldwide from nature every year and in doing so positively impact the lives of 10,000 plus marginalised waste workers and community members worldwide. So. For all of the owners and operators out there who are packaging up their product in a plastic pouch and are frustrated with our current end-of-life system reality for flexible packaging, this podcast is for you. Enjoy. You got your water? You got your tea? I'm all set. Thank you. Yeah. Let's do it. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Mate, it's a pleasure to have you on. I've wanted to have a conversation with Repurpose Global for a while now, uh, particularly because it's come up in some great conversations or some um, podcast episodes that I've had in the past with some existing clients here at Food Pack and um, some other um, guests that I've had on the show. And, uh, and obviously, um, you know, for listeners that are familiar with the podcast sustainability and the whole recyclable component of, you know, where flexible packaging is at is huge uh, on this show. And uh, yeah, it makes total sense to have a, a conversation with you at Repurpose Global. So yeah, welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Mate, so you're over in London in the UK at 6pm. Uh, first international Zoom call. Actually, no, it's not. I spoke to Jack Boone in Australia, but first over in the UK for me. Okay, good. Pleased that we could join. <laughs> Mate, so where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, um, so in the UK, originally from the east, but been in London for a good decade or so. Okay, yeah, big city vibes. How do you like it? Yeah, um, I mean, I spent a bit of time away. I spent some time in, in places like Ghana and Uganda in recent years yep. um, with, with a previous role. Um, so actually coming back to London, um, I'm really appreciating it more, particularly now it's opening up after COVID. It's yeah. a fantastic city, great place yeah. to be. Mate, that's the one benefit of travel. Like it really does make you appreciate everything that you potentially have in life and, you know, where you come from and where you did grow up. And I know that that's the value that I got out of travel. I see that you also spent a little bit of time in New Zealand too. I did, yeah. We're going back quite a few years now, but yeah. uh, did some sustainability research at the University of Otago, um, which was a fantastic place to be. It's absolutely beautiful uh, yeah. down on the South Island. So yeah, yeah, yeah. My mum's a New Zealander, so I have ventured over there a couple of times. Uh, but it was primarily on the North Island. Did you manage to get over to the North Island as well, or you just were south? 
you know, not on this occasion. I have been on a previous uh, trip and I mean, again, absolutely stunning place. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a special place. I love New Zealand. It kind of reminds me of where we are here in BC and that you've got the mountains. So the skiing, you've got surf, you've got everything, fishing, everything outdoors, great food, great wine, great coffee. And yet New Zealand is so small and accessible and you can drive from coast to coast within a couple of hours. And yeah, it's a beautiful place. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Mate, so tell us about your journey. Um, I'd love to obviously dig into Repurpose Global and the great work that you're doing and initiatives that you guys have got going on with organizations on the, you know, um, reclamation of plastic out of the environment. And you're obviously working with a lot of brands and uh, bring a lot of brand value um, to the companies that you're working with or who certify with you. So that's, you know, primarily where the conversation is going. But, you know, what led you up to, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your professional career and what led you up to Repurpose. Sure, absolutely. So um, I guess my, my very first job out of university was in sustainability, um, but specifically in pro-environmental behavior change research. So I worked for a small consultancy called Brooklyn Most of our clients were government departments or government agencies. And it was a, a really interesting opportunity, um, not just to get exposure to different sustainability um, practices, but also just how people are responding to them and how sustainability is woven into um, kind of daily practices or not in, in a lot of cases. Um, so that was a, a, a job I did in my early career for, for a number of years, um, including that guest stint in New Zealand that you, you referenced. Um, since then, I've been um, in sort of commercial market research, a bit, um, a bit of e-commerce even thrown in there. Um, before then working for an NGO for, for the last three years up until joining Repurpose in, in February. But I think the common strands throughout have been around, you know, making a, making a change, making an impact in, in some way or other um, and trying to communicate that effectively. Um, so I'm a big proponent of sort of behavior change and behavior change theories, for example. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So Repurpose Global, it was established in 2016. And I guess it came across my radar when I started working with a company here at Food Pack called Leaders Mexican Foods. And, you know, um, uh, Jackie got her um, bags printed with us and she had your logo in it. And I'm like, what's this all about? And she went into quite a bit of detail on the podcast as well about the initiatives that um, she liked about Repurpose Global. The fact that, you know, it's frustrating for her that, you know, to put her food out into the world, it needs to be packaged up in a plastic bag. And, um, and, you know, offsetting plastic makes a lot of sense. So then I went onto your website, did quite a bit of digging around. And since then, we've had another couple of companies that we work with here at Food Pack. So Cassava and also Agro Coffee Roasters also sign up to your program as well to become uh, plastic certified plastic neutral uh, or negative. And uh, I think it's awesome. I talk about you a lot because I think that the offsetting sort of value of offsetting right now um, when the infrastructure isn't necessarily in place to collect or recycle these specific plastics is here for us. So, mate, go. I'd love to sort of hear all about sort of the development of the organisation, where the idea came from and sort of how it got teased out and turned into a reality. Sure thing. Well, I mean, firstly, thanks to Jackie and, and Lita's Mexican Foods for, for um, getting us on your radar and, and thanks to you for, for discussing us as well. Um, I would say, yeah, at the, at the core of the organization still, there is the, the kind of waste recovery um, proponent, which helps with some of that brand messaging and, and balancing brand footprints. Um, but I think we're more of a kind of holistic plastic action toolkit in that we offer um, footprinting services. There's the um, you know, reduction consultancy that we offer, as well as, as I say, the, the kind of balancing and certifications as well. So it's, it's come a long way. 
Um, so originally it was uh, an idea from uh, the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. There were three very prodigious students, um, Peter, Addy and Svanaka, um, who got together and, you know, originally stemming from some thesis writing, um, the three of them kind of got together and started researching and exploring a bit more. Actually, a lot of it was led, um, interestingly, not necessarily by um, plastic waste, at least initially, but by uplifting the lives of waste workers. Um, so that was kind of um, one of the angles that they were looking at early on, but immediately saw the opportunity for this win-win uh, where the empowerment of waste workers was going to um, enable more of this plastic um, collection and recovery and recycling, which then drives the circular economy. Um, so they'll they'll tell a story about how they, they sort of went into this um, exploration phase um, and ended up in a landfill in Mumbai called DNR, which is the second largest in Asia, and saw the sort of skylines of Mumbai on one side and these mountains of waste on another. And, and really that moment sort of set them, um, gave them the resolve to, to take this kind of fledgling repurpose idea forward. Um, so... Yeah, that would have been sort of back in 2017, 2018 when um, they were doing that. I think they were then awarded the President's Engagement Prize whilst they were at, at university to oh, allow wow. them to actually start the, the business up for real. Um, in terms of the evolution since then, I think the first plastic credit uh, was issued in, in 2019. So I think that's that's kind of the core innovation that, that perhaps Repurpose was known for, mm. is that having done this exploration and trying to find new solutions like can we can we design an app that is going to solve this problem or how can we connect these things is there a, a new answer I think what they actually found is that the answers were already there there were people that were um, that had the solutions that there were these early stage innovations or underfunded parts of infrastructure um, and actually it was about finding um, the, the money to um, bridge that gap that really inspired um, where repurpose was then to go. So the idea of plastic credits was um, obviously borrowed from the carbon credits um, idea as a way of getting the kind of people mostly responsible for um, for creating the plastic waste um, to, to actually fund some of the collection and recovery. Um, as I say, starting from that point where it was about challenging the funding, um, we now have this kind of full toolkit of solutions that are available to brands. Mm. Uh, you know, I'd like to sort of um, focus on the conversation through the lens of the audience that are listening to the conversation today who are small to medium sized business owners and operators in the CPG food world. And, you know, the vast majority of them are packaging up their food in bags. And like I just said, with liters and, you know, Jackie at liters, you know, the issue was that, you know, obviously the only solution right now for um, getting her product out in the world is to put it in a plastic bag. And I know that that really rubbed on her. So the idea of offsetting was an awesome idea. And so my understanding is that what you do is you calculate the annual volume that a business puts out into the world, and then you either collect an equal amount or a greater amount than that total. Is that correct? That's an, an, an option for brands, yeah. Got so yeah. Co correct when we're doing the kind of plastic neutral or plastic negative certifying. Mm. Um, I mean, the, I think one of the things about the solution is that it's um, it's so impactful in terms of actually removing plastic pollution from 
both the natural environment and in, indeed the human environment. There are people yeah. that are living surrounded by plastic waste. So actually, yeah. um, you know, just as a as a solution, people can buy into it regardless of whether it's you know balancing a footprint or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the certification side, um, we would, as you say, kind of measure what an annual footprint might like uh, mm-hmm. might look like, um, see what the uh, ensure there are commitments to reducing um the amount of plastic used as well we only really want to partner with brands that that kind of share that commitment to reduction um and then yes if if it's someone that's plastic neutral certified for example um it would be a case of um funding the recovery of that amount of plastic waste um equal to their footprint go yeah i guess that was one of my questions because obviously the funding is the most important part so you know apart from like how do you actually like measure the volume of plastic because i did see that you've got some calculators on there i wanted to sort of understand sort of like where the money's channeled to and i also knew that um the businesses that do engage with repurpose global have an, an option as to where their money gets you know directed to whether it was recovery from the oceans or you know what country or what um you know uh groups of people that they work with as well so tell us a little bit more about that yeah, absolutely. So I guess starting with measurements, uh, yeah. we have something that we call the plastic disclosure tool, uh, which is a, a web tool um, that brands can use. And essentially they're, they're putting in um, their different SKUs, the types of pla- packaging that's used um, for each of those, and then looking at their sales volumes. Um, and then we have the data behind that to, to drive roughly what a, a footprint would, would look like. Mm-hmm. And I think as it can be an annual footprint, I think for brands that are growing quickly or adding products to their line, we might kind of review that on a on a more ongoing basis. Um, but once they've got the footprint and, as I say, have also committed to um, areas where they can reduce um, their plastic use in their supply chain and in their products, um, yeah, then they're able to select uh, a partner project. So we actually run projects in five countries. There are 14 um, impact projects that we run um, and we run them with partners uh, to facilitate the, the collection of waste and and to fund infrastructure and to incentivize the collection. So some of those, in fact, the majority of them are sort of within 50 kilometers of coastlines um, and are set up specifically to collect ocean bound um, plastics. Others are, we would describe as nature bound where they're further inland. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, um, one of the frustrations that I hear a lot on the podcast is that people don't necessarily understand that some of these flexible packages aren't considered recyclable. Like they see the resin code, you know, whether it's a two or a four or a seven or whatever it is. And because there's the resin code that, you know, people align that with recyclability of the plastic and think that that's blue bin recyclable. And the the fact is that a lot of these flexible packages, especially the laminated materials or, um, or, uh, you know, uh, what would I say? Anything but a monostructure at these days uh, isn't recyclable. So if it does end up in a blue bin and it gets taken to a facility, it's going to naturally be thrown into the regular waste stream. So I've said it a few times on the show, but here in BC and the vast majority of Canada, what people can do is they can take it to a store drop-off location uh, or a Recycle BC depot where it will get collected, shredded, pelletized, and turned into engineered fuel. And that's if it ends, it ends up in the right place. But if it doesn't, it's just going into the landfill or it's spilling out into um, the natural environment, which is a huge issue as well. So, um, you know, as you've also suggested, as it's been really, really widely reported, we do ship a lot of our recyclable waste offshore. 
So are these, is the recyclable components that are getting shipped offshore, are they heading over to a lot of the countries that we're finding um, your, where the initiatives that you're working with as well? Is that part of the issue? Is that we're not containing the issue locally and it's getting sent off and the issues are compounding overseas as too? Certainly there's there's an issue of mismanagement. And yeah. I think it's been widely exposed that, you know, in the, in the UK, people are, you know, putting things into recycling bin uh, expecting that it's going to be dealt with onshore yeah. and actually shocked to find that that's um, that's exported abroad. Um, so for sure, I think the areas we work in, um, you know, I guess we've got projects across South America, um, East and West Africa, and um, South and Southeast Asia. Right. Um, but in particular, I know that Southeast Asian countries um, have been some of the ones that were um, importing supposedly recyclable plastics particularly after um, China stopped the import so I for sure that's going to be compounding issues but there's also I mean just dramatic mismanagement of waste anyway yeah. there isn't the infrastructure or collection facilities and as um, kind of plastic or plastic packaged products are becoming slightly more commonplace um, there's just nowhere for them to go so yeah. a lot of our projects for example will collect from from dump sites or they will actually provide door-to-door -door collection services where um, previously waste was just dumped or burnt in the environment so um, yeah it's it's a it's a pretty big global issue for sure yeah, I did see some stats on your website, which I thought were interesting. So the first one was $30 billion is needed to every year to end plastic leakage into nature. And the other one was 11 million pounds of plastic waste is saved from the oceans and landfills by repurpose impact projects. So the first one, the $30 billion, that's a huge number, but it doesn't sound like it's an unachievable number. Um, how was that number calculated and sort of how would that sort of in realistic terms be implemented? Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't know um, what the source of that number is, but clearly when you go to um, other parts of the world uh, where there isn't the, the waste collection infrastructure, where there isn't the recycling facilities, mm. um, you can imagine that investments in, you know, relatively straightforward things like um like collection, sorting, and and recycling materials would go a long way. Yeah. And as I say, that that applies just as much in places like the UK and the US, where actually the like recycling um, of actually quite a lot of different plastic types um, isn't um, isn't dealt with effectively. Yeah. So I, th I think that's probably where those those kind of relatively large numbers uh, are coming from. But as you say, I mean, in the in the scheme of things, not unachievable. And I think what mm. we're proud of at Repurpose is that we are starting to bridge some of that gap, albeit, you know, just small steps. Um, um, so I guess finding finding solutions like that to 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 fund the solutions um, is is one of the things that we're we're working towards and working in collaboration with others on. Um, in, in terms of the second question, I think that's probably an outdated stat in terms of 11 million pounds. I think um, we've collected somewhere around, um, what would it be, around, I, I think we're projected to collect over 22 million pounds of plastic by the end of this year. So, so twice, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but we're growing rapidly. I think it was it was roughly a quarter of that in 2021. So, wow. um, yeah, our 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 projects are scaling up and we're adding new projects to to our portfolio as well so um yeah it's that and actually that probably underestimates the amount of plastic that we're collecting because one of the key aspects of this work um is the concept of additionality which um i'm sure you're familiar with but um whilst our our projects on the ground might collect multiple different types of plastic waste 
Um, it's only the ones that wouldn't have been collected without our intervention that count towards our plastic credits. So in places like Ghana, where actually around 2% of PET is recycled, actually PET counts towards that additional analysis quota and we're able to you know, process that and, and make it into this slightly more ethically produced recycler that can then be used for the circular economy in other parts of the world the low value plastic waste and multi-layer plastics that you mentioned before yeah. um, are the ones that wouldn't otherwise have been collected. And so um, a lot of our efforts are focused around those. Awesome. Let's bring it back to, you know, the way that a brand uh, can engage with Repurpose Global. So there are three programs that people can work with to offset their plastic footprints or output, and they can also work with impact projects. So we're talking about the plastic neutral certification, the plastic negative certification or the impact guarantee program. So can you walk us through each of those? Yeah, absolutely. So, so one option along with the, the kind of measurement and, and reduction um, and just the purchase of, of plastic credits is to, to get certified with us. So plastic neutral, um, we mentioned before, is around measuring your footprint, committing to reductions and then balancing um, your footprint with the recovery of, of plastic um, equal to, to that weight. Um, plastic negative, very similar structure in that you'd measure your footprint, commit to reduction, and then if you're funding the recovery of at least twice as much, um, that's where we would be able to offer that certification. Mm-hmm. Impact guarantee is a bit more flexible. So it might be, um, it's it's really a certification that the brand is taking action. So it might be, for example, for each product sold, um, we're collecting a pound or a kilogram of, of plastic waste on, on your behalf. Um, and this is really valuable because it means that it's not just a case of you know balancing a plastic footprint for example um you may be aware of jason momoa's water brand mananali the mm-hmm. recently elected official advocate for life below water from from the un um they use aluminium bottles um so actually have a you know minuscule plastic footprint in that respect but still do something they call drink one remove one so we're able to certify um, them in their, their funding waste with each purchase of one of their products. That's awesome. I'd love to learn a little bit more about back when Repurpose Global got started. Like we st- we had a quick chat before we kicked off on the episode in that you haven't been with the organization for a, an, a long period of time. So you may have a little bit of gap in your knowledge, but I'd love to sort of hear about when the rubber hit the road and, uh, and the team decided to turn Repurpose Global into a reality and what that sort of first project looked like and how it sort of managed to scale and grow from there. Yeah, absolutely. So um as I say, I, I mean, as you said, I, I did only join the team um, in February of this year. So um, some gaps in my knowledge as to what the last couple of years looked like. But I know that um, certainly we were working with, um, you know, partner projects, at least from 2019, if not before, in terms of recovering the waste. Um, and there were some exploratory projects um, with actually with quite a few workplaces in terms of making workplaces plastic neutral or events plastic neutral. Um that there was that involved some of our early work but um i mean even last year i know there were 100 plus brands um that were on board and signed up so the founders have really done a remarkable job of of getting what was just an idea not that many years ago um into something that's up and running um, and similarly our team has grown so i think you know towards the beginning of last year we we're looking probably around 20 members and now we're we're sort of 60 70 and and hiring um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really emerged over the last few years. Um, and we're working with 250 global brands at the moment. And again, that, that, um, you know, 
our partnerships with brands are, are also growing pretty quickly. So it's a really it's a exciting space to be in. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else that you think is important in the conversation that we should discuss today? No, I mean, it's, it's been great talking to you. Thanks yeah. so much for, for making the time, uh, yeah. Hayden. I think, you know, it's, as I say, a very exciting and growing space. We're um, excited not just to be working with um, essentially a lot of smaller challenger brands, but actually some of the big players are now um, starting to look at this as an option. I think where there are commitments to reducing plastic um, and obviously we're completely fully supportive of, of those, but often it, it means sort of the, the action and the impact is further down mm -hmm. the road. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to look at our solution and have an immediate impact um, is, is really one of the things that we're, we're excited about being able to do. Um, and yeah, it's, we, we call ourselves a, you know, a, a plastic action platform and a coalition. And so we're, we're very excited about anyone that can join on board from, from the waste partners that we work with on the ground to, to new brand. Um, partners that are interested in working with us um, to, you know, sustainability leaders that are going to drive this industry forward with us as well. So um, if anyone is listening to this and interested in finding out more, please do get in touch. Yeah, will do, mate. I'm going to put your contact details and a, a few bit more information down in the show notes for everybody to reference. Um, thank you so much, mate. I, uh, I've really enjoyed digging into Repurpose, uh, whether it's on their website or having the conversation with you today. I absolutely see the value in the organization. And uh, I think that, you know, the more that we're doing to not only, as you suggested, uh, reduce the amount of plastic uh, that we can potentially work with and, uh, and put out into the world, the better. And, you know, it's great that um, organizations have an option like, um, like the one that you guys are giving us today. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Awesome. Cheers. Take have care. A good day. You too. Bye. Thanks again for taking the time out of your busy day to join me for today's episode. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation or if you've got any questions, feel free to shoot me an email at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn or Instagram at thepackheavypodcast. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how I can help you with your business and your packaging vision, feel free to drop me a line and we'll continue the conversation there too. I'll see you next week.